This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. Who doesn't love a good night's sleep? It makes you feel energetic, alive, and you're not dragging your feet by 2 p.m. when you get at least seven to eight hours of sleep per night. So for all of those night owls or those of you who just can't sleep, you're absolutely going to love this episode. Joining me today is Alana from Good Night Sleep Site. We're going to help everyone get a good night's sleep. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I cherish my sleep. I am all about sleeping well and comfortable. Um, And I just, I feel like it's such an important thing for us to kind of sustain throughout our entire lives, to teach our children to sleep well, because it just helps us in so many ways. What is the recommended number of hours that we should be getting as adults? You know, it's everyone has their own personal sleep needs, their own personal baseline um, of sleep. So, you know, on average, you're going to read seven to eight hours, right? As adults, we should be getting those seven to eight hours of sleep. But there are, you know, I always say anywhere between six to nine um, is a good range. Um, some people can function great off of consistent six hours of sleep throughout the night. Some people need more. They need nine or 10 hours of sleep per night. Um, you know, it's always best just to base it on how you feel when you wake up in the morning, um, how you function, how your daytime is, like how you're functioning throughout the day. For those that are listening that think they function on four to five hours of sleep, um, you know, it's very rare. Now, it's not to say that there aren't individuals that can function fine and remain, um, you know, healthy and and have great overall wellness um, on four to five hours of sleep, but it's very few people who can do that. So if you are one of those, you think you are one of those people, um, what's likely happening is your body just becomes used to the amount of sleep that you're getting. So if you're consistently not getting enough sleep and only getting those four to five hours, you will function off of that amount because that's just what your body is used to, but it's not necessarily what your body needs and what's going on can likely be telling you a different story. So I always say base it on about six to nine you know, depending on how you feel when you go to bed at night and how you feel when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, that's that's a good recommendation based on how you feel. So if you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning, that means you kind of needed a bit more sleep. You needed to either sleep later or get to bed earlier. What about when it comes to waking up through the night? So women in my age group are all complaining that they wake up during the night several times. Is it normal? Should we be waking up? I very rarely wake up because I am like structured. My sleep is important. I have my ritual, my routine, but is waking up normal? Well, we all partially wake up throughout the night. So we we go through through about five to six cycles of sleep throughout the night. And as we're transitioning from one cycle to the next, we do partially wake up. Most of the time, we don't even realize that we're waking up and we just sleep through. Sometimes we wake up fully. If you find that you're waking up, you know, it's consistently you hear that 3 a.m., 4 a.m. wake time where, you know, women especially are waking up. It could be for a few different reasons. One is at that point, your sleep tank might be empty. So what can happen, and this is what I was saying before, is watch how you feel when you go to bed at night. Often we think we need to go to bed early, right? We need that 9 9 p.m. bedtime because that's just what we feel is a great bedtime. Well, let's say you are going to bed consistently at 9 p.m. By 3 or 4 a.m., that's six, seven hours of sleep that you're getting. So your body, your sleep tank now, the pressure for sleep is low, right? So maybe we actually have to move our bedtime out later and actually go to bed when you feel tired. 
not go into bed, and I'm sure we will talk about this, and, you know, fall down the TikTok hole or, or, you know, stream for however many hours while you're in bed, but actually go to bed when you actually feel tired. Other reasons why you might be waking up um, in the middle of the night is it could be low blood sugar. You know, if you're having, you know, on average, we don't want to be eating really any huge meals, at least four hours. You want to stop at least four hours before you go to bed. Um, But maybe you need, um, you know, a little bedtime snack with some focus on carbs or protein to kind of keep your blood sugars regulated throughout the night. As women, we go through different hormonal shifts throughout the night uh, or throughout the month. So, uh, you know, it could be it could be that reason. One of the main reasons, though, why we're seeing those 3 or 4 a.m. wakings is quieting of the mind, right? We are in a society that is so stressed out right now for so many different reasons. Um, So it's learning different methods and techniques that can help manage your stress levels, um, not just at night, but also during the day that can actually help you fall fall back to sleep a lot easier if you do wake up throughout the night. And I know we're going to talk about that, but before we move on to that question, what does happen? Because I feel like there's so many different things that people think happen when you don't get enough consistent sleep. I know I read a while ago that you fall into like a sleep deficit when you're, you know, getting three hours tonight, you know, you're partying all night. I mean, those days are over for for me anyways, but you do fall into that, that sleep deficit. So what happens when that occurs? So when we have a consistent sleep debt, so that means we're not, you know, I always compare sleep debt to like a bank debt, right? If you owe $10 um, in a bank, uh, in your bank account, or you have a sleep debt of 10 hours, adding in $1 isn't going to erase that bank debt. So getting that extra, often we think, well, we'll just get caught up on our sleep on the weekend. So we'll sleep in an extra hour. Well, adding in an hour of that 10 hour of sleep debt isn't going to erase that sleep debt, right? So it's important to really uh, be consistent with your sleep schedules and and, um, the amount and quality of sleep that you're getting. But when we have that consistent um, sleep debt, um, we can see long-term health risks. You know, we see increase in um, heart disease, in stroke, in obesity, in diabetes, just generally how you feel your quality of life day to day. I think it's important, though, and something that I I talk a lot about to understand the difference between insomnia and sleep deprivation, because you can be sleep deprived, but not have insomnia. And often we kind of tag everything, a bad night of sleep or a bad week of sleep with I have insomnia, I can't sleep. To have clinical insomnia, to be diagnosed with insomnia, which is a, a leading sleep disorder, is the inability to fall asleep when you want to or fall back asleep when you want to and being super hyper-focused on the concern of not having that sleep. Someone who is sleep-deprived, is it could just be someone who's not necessarily really concerned about their sleep health, um, who isn't getting the right amount of sleep, um, but isn't really bothered or super focused on it either, right? So there is a difference between sleep deprivation and insomnia. That's a really, really good point. And I never even thought of it that way. So insomnia is something completely different. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's just expand on it. What are the causes of insomnia? Is it the same thing like stresses, illness? uh, And is it prolonged sleep deprivation that leads to insomnia? So there's two two category categories of insomnia. There's acute insomnia and chronic insomnia. Acute insomnia is something that we've all myself suffered from. I'm sure Claudia, you've suffered from, where you're just not sleeping well for whatever reason, for maybe a night um, or a few nights. Um, it could be you know you're just not feeling well. Maybe you are going through a more anxious or stressful time in your life. 
um, for whatever reason, you're just not having a great night of sleep. The issue with acute insomnia is that it can turn into chronic insomnia. Chronic insomnia, think of, I always say three and three. So it's for sleep loss of um, uh, three days or more or three months or more. So three and three. Um, if you are struggling with, you know, broken sleep throughout the night, the inability to fall asleep at bedtime or fall back asleep if you do wake up throughout the night and you're you're in that three and three category, that's when maybe you need to look for other um, techniques and benefits to help you fall asleep if you do have chronic insomnia. So it can start with, again, just poor sleep for whatever reason, illness, worry, um, environment, sleep environment, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, you know, for whatever reason, you're not sleeping well. And then what can tend to happen is now you start the, the stress and anxiety that you're feeling of not sleeping can be hyper-focused, right? So now it's, you're starting to worry about it's, it's, I, I call it kind of your emotional relationship with sleep. So it's like, you know, if you're a bad sleeper, it's, it makes sense that you're going to have more negative thoughts about your sleep habits, right? I'm the world's worst sleeper. I know I'm not going to sleep great tonight. I'm going to feel awful tomorrow. Why is the rest of the world sleeping? And I can't, that just heightens any stress or anxiety that you're already feeling about not sleeping well, right? So that's just going to kind of uh, snowball the fact that you're not sleeping well. So it's, it's shifting that mindset. There's, this is, kind of falling under the CBT, uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia umbrella um, of one of the therapies that you can use to help with your insomnia. So this is where I'm saying insomnia, having those beliefs and that mindset is a lot different than someone who is sleep deprived. Right. That makes, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. And now you say that your morning routine is just as important as your nighttime or bedtime routine in order for you to get good sleep. What does that mean? So, you know, I talk a lot, obviously when we're talking about sleep, we're, we're focusing a lot on bedtime routine and discussing bedtime routine, but I think the morning routine often gets overlooked and it is so important because our morning routine is what starts our day. It's what starts um, how our mindset is throughout the day and our mindset plays such a huge role in how well or not well we're going to sleep throughout the night. It also is what helps build our drive, our sleep pressure to sleep throughout the day that makes it a lot easier for us to fall asleep at night. So I always say, think of um, when you wake up in the morning, your sleep tank is on empty. Whether you've had a good night of sleep or a bad night of sleep, for the most part, your sleep tank is empty. Think of it like a gas tank, right? And our goal throughout the day is to fill up that tank to full so that when we go to bed, we have an easier time falling asleep and sleeping through the night. Um, so your morning routine, you know, is important because it's important to keep that, those consistent sleep uh, schedule, those consistent sleep patterns. So 80% of the time waking up at the same time um, in the morning as, you know, even on weekends, even during vacation, um, that's going to help build that drive. Getting in that physical activity, preferably in the morning hours. Um, again, physical activity is important all around. But again, that's going to help build that drive for sleep. Immersing yourself in that natural light, that is the best way to keep your natural biological circadian rhythms or natural, natural um, biological clock in sync with our, you know, our 24 hours. That 24 hours never adjusts. It always stays the same. So immersing yourself in that natural light, getting in that fresh air, going for that morning walk, if that's what you want to do, um, can help build that drive for sleep. And what about napping? Is it only for babies or should we be getting in a little snooze in the afternoon or mid-morning? What are your thoughts on that? 
So napping is, is very dependent on the individual. A lot of people will say, is it okay if I do take a nap? If you are someone who um, isn't really struggling too much with sleep, you know, maybe you think, oh, okay, I could probably work on my sleep health a little bit, but for the most part, I'm a pretty good sleeper and you want to take the occasional nap. There's no harm in that. Um, but if you are someone who is suffering from insomnia, suffering from long-term sleep loss, naps are what you want to avoid. And I know for those are the individuals that you would think should be taking the naps because they're not sleeping well throughout the day or throughout the night. So it would make sense. They would sleep. uh, They would need that daytime sleep. They do need that daytime sleep because they're tired. But again, going back to that sleep tank, right? That nap is going to, you know, take that sleep, that gas out of the tank, which is what we don't want to do. So for those individuals, you really want to focus on building that drive for sleep throughout the day, building that pressure as best you can, and taking that nap is going to alleviate that pressure, which is what we don't want to be doing. Yeah, and that makes sense because you do, you're really trying to fill up that tank, get yourself ready for getting a good night's sleep. And now as we get older, you know, I hear my parents and a lot of people who are a bit older, you know, they're up at like 4.30 in the morning. Do we really need less sleep as we get older? Is that why they're always up so early? <laughs> yes. And as we get older, so if we're getting more, talking more about senior sleep health, they do the amount of sleep that they get throughout the day does shorten, but it does, the quality of sleep is still really important at this age. And that can be difficult with different ailments, with different medications and things like that, that, you know, a lot of the senior community um, can be on. Um, but also their sleep gets distributed differently. So for instance, maybe they have earlier bedtimes because they are getting up earlier in the morning. You'll find them that they'll be napping more throughout the day as well. So healthy sleep is still very important at that age. It just might look a little bit different in a 24-hour period. So if I am sleeping at the same time, um, generally every night, and I'm following the same sleep patterns and sleep behaviors, and I'm getting, let's say, seven hours on average, I can sustain this for, you know, at least I'm well into my 60s or 70s. Is that generally when it starts to change? Yes, that's when, I mean, it depends. For women, you're going to see definitely a shift and change when we start going through things like perimenopause. Um, and menopause. I mean, we definitely see we see a shift in so many things, um, but definitely a you know a shift in our in our sleep health as well. But that can again get change again as we go through the menopause stage. Um, but typically, that's when you're going to start seeing perhaps a shift in your sleep is in your 60s um, and 70s. But again, the focus still should be on creating the best sleep patterns and sleep schedule and environment. Um, that you need to, no matter what age you are. When we come back, we are going to learn more about how to sleep, how to get good sleep so we can sustain our energy level and fill that sleep tank during the day. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Alana and I were discussing why getting a good night's sleep is important and how we can achieve that. The one thing that I hear more and more people complain about is the effect of the time change on our sleep. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I feel like I am affected by that one-hour shift. I know it happened you know, several weeks back, but I feel like it takes me a good week to kind of recover from that. Is Does this make sense or is it my imagination? No. 
it's not your imagination at all. Um, this, I mean, this time change even affects me and I, I'm a relatively good sleeper and obviously sleep is a focus in our house. Um, the reason why the springtime change is so hard is because we are losing that hour. And we are, I mean, listen, we are a sleep deprived society. So just losing that extra hour um, can have a huge hit on how we're feeling throughout the day. You know, there was, there's studies that are done um, that show that, especially with the springtime change, the week after that springtime change, we see an increase in car accidents. Um, we see an increase in heart attacks. Um, so the studies show that how much that one hour of lost sleep can actually affect our health. So it does take you about a week to adjust to the new time. Sometimes it can take a little bit longer. It's very similar to a jet lag kind of experience. So the best thing you can do in that situation is, again, focusing on that morning routine. Um, you know, waking up at, a, at the same time every day, immersing yourselves in the natural light is the best way to shift to a new time. Whether it's a time change, whether you are traveling and going through different time zones, getting yourself, getting your body immersed in that natural light or darkening up the room to go to bed as best you can. Um, is the best thing that you can do. Um, and again, getting in, the, in that physical activity uh, can work really well also. Now, when it comes to the, the the light in a room, so my husband and I have this debate. So he likes to sleep during the week with the kind of the blinds up and he wants to get natural light so he can get up early in the morning. But it drives me crazy because I like the room to be dark because I feel like you shouldn't have any extra light. The room should be dark. I feel like my eyelids can see the light underneath. So what is the story on that? And what can I go home and tell him tonight? <laughs> <laughs> so the I mean, here's the thing. The best thing we can do is we want to release. So melatonin is our natural sleep hormone. It's what helps drive our circadian rhythm. It's what helps prepare our body to sleep. And it's what's largely is, is released by released or suppressed by our external environment. So when it senses darkness at night, that's when it's released and prepares our body to sleep. So yes, I do encourage a dark environment at bedtime and throughout the night. But waking up in the morning to natural light is probably the best way to naturally wake your body up. So in your situation, what I would recommend is either using an eye mask, if he wins, <laughs> or if you win, um, there's natural light simulator alarm clocks that can work really well. So they mimic the natural sunrise or sunset, um, and you can set the alarm. So they do have sound features, um, like a typical alarm clock that will go off. But they also um, turn on a light that gradually increases in the morning um, to naturally wake your body up to that natural light. So that could be kind of a, a win-win for both of you. You can get the dark at night. He can get the light in the morning. That's a really good compromise. I'm, I'm glad we avoided an argument right there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have so many great tips. And um, what we want to do is get all of our listeners sleeping well and enjoying the benefits of feeling energized. So how, what do you recommend? What is it? When do we start getting ready for bed? I mean, do you kind of rush into it and go, oh, my gosh, it's 10 o'clock. I got to be sleeping by 1030. What generally should happen? What should my night routine look like? It's really important. You know, often we create these amazing bedtime routines for our kids and then we overlook them for ourselves. And it's really hard to go from 100 to zero. So we have to prepare our body and mind to go to bed. So what I like to do is incorporate what I call a power down hour. So for one hour before you go to bed, breaking it up into 20 minute increments, um, you know, to kind of alleviate some of that to do list, quieting the mind a little bit that we all want to work towards is take the first 20 minutes to prepare for the next day, right? So to make that morning routine go a little bit easier. So maybe it's packing lunches, picking out outfits, 
um, you know, writing out your to-do list for the next day, whatever you need to do for, to prepare for the next day to take some of the stuff off your list. The next 20 minutes is all about you. So, you know, washing your face, brushing your teeth, doing your skincare, taking a bath, a shower, whatever you want to do, getting dressed in your PJs to help you uh, to get ready for bed. Um, and then the last 20 minutes is incorporating any kind of calming and relaxing activity that you want to incorporate in your bedtime routine. It could be something just as simple as reading before you go to bed. It could be meditation, mindful thinking, mindful breathing. There's a lot of amazing apps that help guide you through these processes. Um, visualization. Um, there's so many things that you can incorporate. Um, but breaking it out in those three 20-minute increments, I think is a great way to help prepare you to go to sleep at night. And just for fun, there are a few celebrity sleep routines that you think that we should try. Let's get into that a little bit and uh, and see which ones we all want to give a go at and see which ones work. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Oprah are big, um, bath time proponents, uh, bedtime bath time proponents. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow even going as far as, you know, having that opportunity to take that opportunity to have the, her kids come in and, and have that strong attachment time with their kids and, and talk about it. So a bath can be great at bedtime. Um, or shower, you know, heating up your body and then getting out of the bath or shower and allowing it the core, your core temperature to cool down is a great way to help um, make falling asleep that much easier. Um, but something that I always talk about at bedtime is make sure the activities that you're including at bedtime are activities that you actually want to do. What I mean by that is if you're not a bath person, don't don't include a bath because you've heard it worked. A bath can definitely work at bedtime routine, but if you don't like a bath, you're just going to be miserable in your in the bath and then miserable when going to bed, right? So actually include activities that can work great for you. Um, Kelly Clarkson, you know, says a lot of the times when she's um, when she's coming up with some of her hit songs, she's she's you know dreaming about them or she's writing them out in a journal before she goes to bed. It comes to her when she's getting ready for bed or sleeping at night. Um, journaling is great. Writing things down. There's, I always say there's something to be said about pen to paper versus, you know, typing yourself an email or writing it in your notes. Um, you know, writing out, it could be something just as simple as a to-do list, what you're grateful for, um, you know, going to bed, shifting into a more positive mindset, affirmations, um, can be a great way to, to fall asleep at night for sure. And let's talk about, you know, um, uh, social media before bed. I mean, I know we often forbid our kids to do it, but some of us get, you know, they, it's your half an hour to do what you want and have nothing else. You know, you have nothing else going on. What are your thoughts on being on social media before bed? Is it overstimulating? Is it okay? Um, what are your thoughts? So I have changed my stance on it a little bit. Um, if you would have asked me, you know, a year or two ago, I would have said, keep all tech out of the bedroom. And, and I am still a firm believer in that if you are someone who has chronic insomnia, who's really struggling with sleep or just really wants to make changes to their sleep health, the best thing you can do is remove all tech from the bedroom. Um, you know, it is probably the number one sleep buster. Um, and is a reason why we are such a sleep deprived society, just being consistently connected and what we're bringing in. But I do also, you know, there was about, I think it was a year, maybe even two years now where there was that, you know, bedtime procrastination theory that was, that was all over the media and going around. And there is something to be said about those evening hours. And I always felt, you know, I'm a mom of three. Um, I always felt almost bad telling parents, especially don't go on tech at night because, you know, by, whether you're a parent or not, the kids are asleep, 
you know, dinner's done, you're done work, your chores around the house are done. And now you have those evening hours where you can finally do whatever you want to do. So for me to say, don't watch TV, don't go on, you know, social media, don't text a friend. Um, that's not really fair. And that's not really realistic. And to be honest, so this is where I say it's really important to set boundaries about what you're allowing in at night. So again, if you're someone who really wants to seriously work on your sleep health, yep, get rid of to- to, uh, get rid of tech, get off of social media before you go to bed, 100%. Create a docking station outside of your home. We have one, or outside of your home, outside of your bedroom. We have one in our kitchen where we all plug in our devices, everything stays charged and out of the bedrooms. But if you're someone who, you know, maybe there's a show that makes you feel light and fluffy, like my show is either Friends or The Office. If I'm having, if my head is busy and crazy, I turn in just one episode of that and it just brings out the laughs and makes me feel better. Don't stay up till two o'clock in the morning and watching an entire season. This isn't me giving you permission to do that. But if one episode is going to make you feel a little lighter going to sleep, watch it. If texting with a friend is going to make you feel lighter, watch it. Don't text with the friends that, you know, empty your tank. Text with the friends that fill up that tank, right? Um, stay away from the social media accounts that don't make you feel great. You know, curate your feed to what is positive to you. Um, again, this isn't me telling you to get lost in TikTok for hours and hours on end at bedtime. Um, but if, you know, scrolling a little bit is going to help keep you distracted from maybe something that's kind of ruminating in your brain, do it. It's okay. That's kind of my stance on it. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. I think we just have to be wise and smart about it. And I do the same thing. Friends gives me a couple of chuckles and then I'm ready to hit the hay. Now, although this has been amazing, so many great tips, you also make it even easier for people to get a hold of you and learn a lot. So let's, let's, before we end the segment, let's talk about all your online programs and what are some of the options people have if they want to get, you know, get to sleep better. Absolutely. So we offer a lot of, um, we have one-on-one uh, sleep programs um, where you'll work with a certified sleep consultant at Goodnight Sleep Site. Um, we also offer uh, do-it-yourself programs from newborns to adults. Um, it's the more affordable, it's a more affordable package. It's a package that where you can get all the education and sleep plan uh, information to create your own sleep plan. Um, and there is the option to um, have additional support from a Goodnight Sleep Site consultant. Um, but we also offer a lot of corporate lunch and learns webinars. Um, you know, I talk to companies worldwide, Australia, Europe, Canada, the U.S., um, and really focusing, working with their wellness committees in their companies um, to make sure that the entire team and corporations are, are sleeping well. So um, that's been a division, I will say, since the pandemic that has really, um, really grown and really something that I enjoy doing. So all the information is at goodnightsleepsite.com. That's amazing. If listeners want to get onto your social media or go to the website, just repeat all that for me so that we can find you um, any way possible. Yes, thank you. So our website is goodnightsleepsite.com. Um, our, you can find me on Instagram at gnsleepsite. You can find me on TikTok, alana.mcginn, um, and Facebook, goodnightsleepsite. And you can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Machiella or my website, ClaudiaMachiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.